Hi, welcome today to Perspectives Podcast. This is a podcast we're doing at Orchard Hill as a way to just explore different issues from a biblical perspective and often not just uh, to give a biblical worldview, although we hope that happens, but to really engage in conversation where there are um, different ways to see some of the same issues. But today, I'm joined by Joel Haldeman and Emily D'Angelo. Welcome. Thanks. And uh, we are going to actually do something a little different. But before we get to that, I, I want just, to uh, just ask a personal question, just uh, kind of for fun. Uh, you know, this last year, uh, 2020, has been an odd year for everybody because uh, the whole staying home and social distancing. So I just want to ask a question. What has been your favorite indulgence during this time? Um, I would say kind of an excuse to stay home has been an indulgence um, and spend time as a family. I feel like I've gotten to know my family a lot better, um, even with my kids doing virtual school. Like we've learned some things about them uh, in how they learn that has been really helpful. Okay. Yeah. So just the excuse to stay home says right. a true introvert. There it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Emily, or, how about you? Or a true family man. I would actually <laughs> call myself an extrovert, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So indulgence. I mean, that's usually outside of our normal realm, right? That, that maybe isn't the best for us. So I'm thinking hmm. I've enjoyed the staying home and being intentional in the family, but I've enjoyed... Um, some screen time that we have not typically enjoyed as a family because we just don't have a lot of margin mm. for watching movies and documentaries, gotten into documentaries. Not a lot, but early on in the quarantine, we we did that when our watcher of all things, Kat, was still home. Okay. She encouraged us to watch different <laughs> series. And, and we sat down as a family and did. And, and watch had, things you wouldn't otherwise. Yeah, that, that feels like an indulgence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, For me, it was probably um, early on, we played a lot of wiffle ball with my older boys oh, really? who are at that age where, you know, you might play once in a while, but it was like we just did it almost day after day after day. That's and great. normally you wouldn't take time to play wiffle ball. Um, so, yeah, that was that was kind of a true indulgence and almost a turn back the clock a little oh. bit like, oh, that's just fun with the kids again to feel like you're just playing in the yard after dinner. Did yeah. neighbors join in? Uh, sometimes they thing? couldn't hang with us. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, all right. So here's here's what we want to do today. We want to take some time to kind of talk about if we were to have a Mount Rushmore of biblical characters, so people from the Bible, who would we put on the Mount Rushmore? So in other words, four personalities that we would say, you know, these maybe aren't necessarily the greatest, but for whatever reason, we would say we would identify and want to really say these are people that we we would love to honor or think through their lives. And and we were joking just before we came on here a little bit. The obvious answer here is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the <laughs> Apostle Paul. Um, and so, you know, we're going to try to branch out a little bit from that and not just say Jesus. Uh, so Jesus is a given that he'd be on Mount Rushmore, the Holy Spirit, God the Father. If you want Paul, we can still go there. But, um, but, but and, and it isn't necessarily who has to be the absolute greatest as much as who do you find to be inspirational, mm. helpful, um, just when you look at their life, their, you know, their work, whatever it is. So, so what we'll do is, um, why don't we just go around and each kind of give one at a time and why, mm -hmm. and then at the end, we'll kind of, um, try to 
take from what that would be 12 if we don't have any of the same. And we have no idea what each other has here. So we may have some of the same and try to pare it down and see if we can even uh, kind of push each other a little bit for why we think, you know, one is uh, more worthy of being in the in the slot than the others. Yeah. All right. So, Emily, why don't you go ahead and start? So I'm going to start with someone who maybe gets a bad rap in the Bible, but I'm going to, my first person on Mount Rushmore would be Eve, the mother of humanity. Oh, wow. And she gets the bad rap because, you know, sin and all. She, she, yeah, um, that, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> the she whole uh, taking the apple. And- yep. But she was the mother of humanity. Yeah. So she deserves to be recognized for that right. and remembered for that and it's also the reason there's pain in childbirth right that's right i mean but joy in living okay i can find as many positives as you can find negatives i'm not saying it's negative i'm just i'm just you know making sure we have full context on this so that would be my number one okay eve eve all right because of the mother of humanity yes all right joel how about you so i'm gonna go with peter um when I read the New Testament, I think of Peter as an eight on the Enneagram. He's like the challenger. <laughs> the phrase that I read today was that he had impulsive devotion. Mm-hmm. So here's what I love about him. He cuts off the soldier's ear. He sees Jesus walking on water and he's like, I want to join you. Um, he denies Jesus after saying, you know, I'm going to you know, go to my death for you. Um, after the resurrection, somebody's like, it's the Lord. And what does Peter do? dives into the water while all of the other guys are like rowing the boat in with all the fish. Um, he's afraid and runs away when Jesus is arrested. And then just a couple chapters later, he's standing up boldly uh, to preach the gospel. And so I just love this, um, uh, like the development that you see in him. And then you read first and second Peter and you get this vision of this like mature, tested person of faith. So, okay. Peter's my first choice. All right. Uh, Emily, any comments on Peter? I mean, well, the denial was a pretty big deal. He, <laughs> Jesus knew he was going to deny him, and he ended up doing that. So people often point out Peter's failures, yeah. and we don't want, you know, a, that's kind of current debate right now on even the, the members of Mount Rushmore. Is we want to point no, out people's failures instead of their successes. Yeah. So that would be my pushback on Peter. All right. Okay. Yeah, and Peter's... Uh... A nice, uh, obvious choice. It is an obvious choice. And, um, I saved, saved my best I, 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 for last. I'm not okay? saying anything. Uh, again, sometimes <laughs> the obvious. I mean, there's a reason, you know, that, that we're there. All right, so I'm going to go for my first one with Josiah, uh, oh. who was a king in the Old Testament. Second Chronicles 34 tells his story, and he came to be a king when he was just a kid. Uh, but what he was noted for was that the people had gotten away from the Word of God being central, and so he restored the uh, Mm. word of God to being central in the temple and the life of Israel. And so, and, and so certainly he's not an obvious choice. He's probably Mm. one that I would even concede to a certain extent, probably doesn't belong because his impact isn't as well known. But the reason I liked him is because in a time when people were not interested in the word of God, he made that central again. And I think you could make a case that, that in the old Testament, his call back to the word of God mm. recentered the the people of God um, in a time that was really important for them and paving the way for the Messiah uh, to come. And so, so uh, that that was one that that I put there. 
Is he the one that it said uh, they celebrated the Passover and it had not been celebrated to that extent like ever before him? Yeah, there's, yeah, I think, there, I think that's right. There's, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, he just, uh, so, and especially to do it at such a young age, to have that clarity mm. to say, this is what our people need, is yeah. is this to be central. So, so that, that was my first one. Yeah. The pushback, of course, is the obscurity. Of course, but that's part but, of why I like them. Exactly. But... He, you're right. It's he's living in this. What were there? Twenty kings in Judah, and four of them are said to have walked. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What's the phrase? With the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Walks with the Lord. Yeah. Did what was right in right the eyes of the Lord. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, all right, Emily. Okay. So my second person on Mount Rushmore would be Sarah, Abraham's wife, who was the mother of the Jewish nation, Israel. Yeah. And but. I, you know, I exonerate her, I guess, for motherhood, but also because of her personality. I love the picture in scripture of she's old in her age and she and Abraham are out in the wilderness and they receive these visitors who come and dine with them. And while she's making bread in the tent, she's listening in on the conversation and this promise that they are going to have a child. And she laughs in the face of that promise. And I love that. Um, carefree personality and truly trusting in God's plan. And I also had an experience of making bread in the desert with Bedouins when Corey and I were in Israel. So I imagined what it was like to (laughs) prepare a meal for visitors Mm -hmm. because we did that as part of our experience with the camel riders. Mm -hmm. And so ever since then, I think I read the story in in Genesis 18 of Sarah's um, encounter with these visitors who, I don't know, maybe were angels of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jesus himself. I don't know. You theologians <laughs> can tell me what you think on that. Mm-hmm. But she um, she was doing what she was called to do. Mm-hmm. Serve her husband, her tribe, if you mm-hmm. will, because it wasn't just the two of them. We know that to be true, right? And baking bread was what she was called to do. Yeah. And then have a son and, mm. you know, the rest is history. So, Sarah. Yeah. Okay, Sarah. Sarah. All right, Joel. Um, my next one was Joshua. And uh, I don't have a lot to say here other than I just love his position where he's like the commander of the Lord's army. And he has all these over and over again, he has these speeches where he gets up and he says, do not be afraid. Um, I love this moment where Achan is found to have sinned and he approaches him and he says, my son, give glory to the Lord. Tell me what you have done. I just think that's so beautiful. And then uh, towards the end of Joshua, it says the Lord gave them rest on every side. So I just love this, you know. Uh, I just get this picture of this man of power, you know, fearless faith. I like Joshua. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I, I actually had thought about Joshua, and when I first started uh, thinking about people, I was trying to actually think through categories okay, uh, rather than just, you know, like, like who did what that should yeah. be noteworthy. And one of the reasons I like Joshua was the idea of his faithful service, taking new ground, not mm. being afraid. Uh, saying, you know, I want to serve God even in really hard times, yeah. um, even at great personal risk. But I ended up going with Caleb instead of Joshua. Oh, no. <laughs> um, now, Caleb is in the book of Joshua, yeah. and he was 85. And in Joshua 14, it tells the story that when Joshua came and said, okay, here's what we need to do, uh, Caleb said, give me basically this, this challenge, and I'm mm. going to keep going. And the reason that I that I went for that is, is he was right there with Joshua, but he didn't get any of the applause or notoriety. Like when we think of the conquest, we always think of Joshua. We don't think of mm, Caleb. Okay. And 
at 85, he was still saying, I'm not retiring from what I'm doing. I'm pushing forward <laughs> and I am still going to make a difference, even if I'm not in the um, chair that people recognize. In other words, I'm willing mm. to, to serve in a way that, that people don't notice or take into account. And I just think of so many senior saints that I've known over the years who have had that attitude that said, I'm not going to stop serving, giving, cultivating, doing whatever's necessary to see God's work advance. And I think that is a heroic thing, uh, especially when you don't get the acclaim. So, so mm. I went with Caleb right. out of Joshua, <laughs> but it's kind of, you know, I thought about doing the height, the slash thing, but I thought that's probably cheap to do like Joshua, Caleb together. Oh, no. Okay. So I've got someone better in the military. Okay. Thing. Oh no. I'm going to choose Deborah. <laughs> who is is the oh, only boy. female judge That's mentioned right. in the Bible, but she was also a military leader. She was a prophet or prophetess, and she and a songwriter. I mean, and she was a multifaceted. Slayer, right? Oh, I don't know about that. You can <laughs> okay. add that part of the story. <laughs> Isn't that her thing with the stake? <laughs> well, that was her friend Yael. Oh, right. Yeah, right. Okay. so she commissioned Yael to put a, a, a tent stake through the skull of the enemy when he came into her tent to take a nap. And I love that courage. <laughs> and and that... Um, Are you that territorial with naps? Oh, I am. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, interesting. <laughs> Don't mess with a good nap. But I love Deborah because I think she stands out um, for, for women in a man's world sometimes mm. in leadership. Yeah. And it shows how God selects his people to do his work when we least expect it. So wow. I think Deborah's face needs to be on Mount Rushmore. All right. Okay. Joel? I have Daniel. Um, I, I love the story of Daniel. I love his uh, fearless devotion to the Lord, despite his position of influence in uh, a pagan nation. And so, you know, Daniel 1 verse 20 says, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king, king of Babylon, that has questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. So I just love that, this view of, you know, a believer who just does excellent work and is well regarded by. Yeah, that's a good category buster again, because there you get somebody who is quote unquote, uh, and I don't know what was quoted, but is in the secular environment, yeah. thriving, but actually sees it as kingdom advancement, and that's something definitely to be commended. And I would, I would love to see more scholarship on whether or not Daniel was influential in the decree for the for the Israelites to return to their homeland, because it was right after the handwriting on the wall. Uh, Daniel and the lion's den stories that it's like within a year, that same King issues the decree for them to return. Yeah. 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 Um, Daniel definitely has some things to commend him. Any comments? I don't think I do. Okay. <laughs> All right. Could, um, could he have been the man he was without his three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were, they were a community that supported each other, right? That's true. So sometimes we're as strong as our mm -hmm. community, right? Yeah. Mm. So I went um, for my next one with somebody who doesn't isn't named in the Bible, which is kind of uh, interesting. It's the woman in Luke 7 in the story where Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus to his house and the woman from the mm. city who, you know, most presume had a poor reputation in the city comes in and she undoes her hair and cries on Jesus' feet and uh, wipes his feet. And, and for me, the reason I, I, I 
think of her as, I've always thought of her as being a hero in this sense. I mean, we don't typically think of her that way, but she understood what it was to be forgiven and loved by God. And as a result, was able to express love mm-hmm. back to Jesus in a very profound way. And so the reason that, that for me, she's a heroic figure is I think a lot of times, especially in evangelical Christianity, we turn faith into something that's very propositional. Jesus does this, we receive this, this is the outcome. And I love the um, the raw emotion that you see of somebody who, when she's seen and known and forgiven and loved, is able to love so um, without uh, self-consciousness or pretense mm. uh, and display that love back uh, in, in that context. And the courage to, again, just that it took to go into a home where there's somebody who's hostile and express open love to Jesus. I, I always feel like if... if um, you know, people who who love Jesus had that kind of emotional um, vulnerability in our world and courage that it would would speak more in terms of the reality of Jesus in our culture than than the propositional arguments that are often made. Hmm. So, so I like the unnamed woman. Yeah, Luke chapter seven. It's kind of like the Melchizedek effect in the Bible, right? Like you meet this person and because you don't know their background or their future, it puts them in this like almost not super, it puts them in this unique category where like that, that is what defines that woman, mm-hmm. you know, not her past, not what happens afterwards. It's that moment. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, no, that's right. So, all right, Emily, last so one. So I also thought of an unnamed person, though some theologians have named her from extra biblical text. So I thought of the Samaritan woman at the well from John 4. Um, mm. I read somewhere that someone thinks that may be the same person as called Fotine, who then took the gospel to northern Africa. Wow. That's speculative, I'm sure. But I love her because I feel like Jesus saw in her and shows us in that story a need for the gospel and the need for a transformed heart, a changed heart. He breaks through like surface conversation at the well mm. and gets to the heart of what her deepest desire is, and it's to to identify with Christ. Yeah. She's the woman who um, had had five marriages or five men in her life and not mentioned that she's a mother. So to put mm. her on Mount Rushmore with Eve and with Sarah and with Deborah would show the complexity of women and how they have different roles to play and and life, but how they each have a need for salvation in Christ. Okay. Wow. So, Fotine. That's great. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, I went obscure on mine, and I chose... Kohelet, or the teacher in the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite books of the Bible because I feel like it's a an honest philosophical approach to life that says, uh, this is all absurd. <laughs> like we spend our life chasing after, uh, after work, after pleasure, after all of these things. And in the end, it's all shown to be absurd, a, a chasing after the wind. And, and that in the end, uh, it is, is knowing and fearing God that truly matters. So not really a person or a life, but sort of a author. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, Yes, I went with, uh, for my other one, Job. And Job is probably my most obvious choice of the ones that I went with, because I did probably tend to the less known. But um, 
and maybe this is just because I've been reading Job more personally lately, um, studying it a little bit, but I love the uh, way in which he, in difficulty, said, will I accept good from God and not evil or difficulty, and appeared to wrestle with God authentically in terms of what was happening, but ultimately seemed to come back and say, whatever happens to me, this is in God's hands, and God is still God and still good, even if I don't see it or experience it in the way that I experience it. And again, I just think that that so often faith is approached uh, today from an almost an exchange approach. I'll do my part if God does his for me. And this was a faith that that was more robust than that. It had the capacity to say, this isn't about everything that happens to me here and now. This is about uh, this real God of the universe and me responding to, to mm. this God. So, I think my pushback on Job, Kurt, if mm-hmm. I could be so bold, is that people who don't fully understand faith and God's mm-hmm. ways think that Job represents the harshness mm-hmm. of God, the mm-hmm. judgment of God. Yep. And they kind of set him as an example of all the horrible things that can happen to people who are even, even though he was faithful. Mm-hmm. And so he's misunderstood. Mm-hmm. No, be I think my, that's right. My yeah. concern. He's definitely misunderstood, but, uh, you know, that's, I, I would say, part of why you want to highlight people is to bring the proper understanding. Um so that so that people can say, "Wow, there is something to that that's that's beautiful mm-hmm. uh, in terms of that." So there you, pretty interesting. Twelve different. Totally none different. of us yeah, ended wow. up with uh, <laughs> with any repeats. Which, uh, being that we didn't compare ahead of time, that's actually pretty cool. Um, all right. So now the question is, um, make a case for either yours or seed to somebody else's or. Mm-hmm. Or whatever else you want to want to comment on, and not that there's we're going to end up with four uh, when we're all done, because obviously it's a subjective list. I feel confident in my choice of Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to state that since he is the rock, that's the foundation, right. the foundation of, of the, the church. church. Yeah. yeah. All right, I can I can accept that. If we can negotiate Eve, the mother of humanity. Oh man, Eve. <laughs> Come on, that's some people think she's um like not even a real person. You know, that's been an argument. Mm-hmm. People have right. pushed back that she just represents something. Yeah, it's part of a narrative poem of creation, not a literal woman. Right. Is and how so some I, see that. Mm-hmm. I would push for her so that we understand fully God our creator, who truly, you know, created man and woman. And mm-hmm. yeah. Her name means life, right? I mean, all life comes from Eve. So, yeah, when when I was thinking through my list, one of the reasons I did it the way I did was I liked the young person, Josiah, with the idea of um, pointing people to the word of God. I liked the older person, Caleb, Mm kind of saying I'm faithful to the end and not retiring from serving. I liked the woman who, you know, was not seen as a religious insider, but somebody who had great love and passion for God because of what she had experienced. And then Job with the difficulty. So I kind of looked at mine as a whole rather than just four individual characters. Um, so yeah, that's uh, not that that means anything to our conversation other than that's that's, right. that. That was how I kind of looked at that and why I liked the list that I had. I think I could go with Eve out of all the people that you chose, I would say. Don't you feel like, I feel like Sarah was uh, kind of faithless, don't you think? 
no, I saw, I saw in her some faith. Really? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you just felt like she followed Abraham. Well, and she was the one who calling. laughed. I mean, I guess Abraham had the same reaction, but um, you know, I the didn't of read the laughter. Now I may be wrong because I didn't read it in Hebrew, but I didn't read the laughter as mockery or faithlessness as satisfied hmm. laughter. Like finally, this is yeah. to be my um, calling in life, motherhood. Yeah, like a release kind of laughter, right, from a okay. lifetime of burden. Huh. And Abraham's the one who keeps lying and saying that he's that she's his sister, sister. so he doesn't get killed, right? Yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she endured some from that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> although, yeah. although she was complicit in that it's to a certain extent. I mean, and again, I don't think our point here. There are no perfect people in the pages yeah. of the scripture, so so I don't think it's healthy to sit and be like good, bad. That's right. Um, <laughs> because part of the point, the bigger point, is that is that all of us need. Jesus, ultimately, even the people we tend to revere as heroes, that's right, uh, are people who um, had places and issues along the way. Yeah. And it's actually one of the things that I think argues for the validity of the Bible is that if you were writing this as propaganda, mm. you wouldn't take Abraham and Sarah and tell these embarrassing stories about, uh, yeah, you're my sister, and let's go with that. And and yeah. she probably ended up in in the harem of of Pharaoh mm -hmm. during that time or whoever the ruler of Egypt was at that exact moment. And, and even um, uh, Hagar coming out of that was probably a gift um, back, which was the um, concubine mm -hmm. kind of uh, person that, that then was part of that story. And so, yeah, there's a lot of nuance to that uh, in terms of, of where that goes. So one of my takeaways here is that like when I think of someone like Daniel, who I don't know that there's a negative thing said about Daniel, um, that I think it's it's good and appropriate for us to look at their lives and say, I want to emulate that, but to always have to remember that Jesus is the hero. These people are not the heroes. Mm -hmm. And uh, and of course, they're sinners and not not, you know, in the case of Job or Daniel, uh, just because their sin wasn't recorded doesn't mean that it didn't exist. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And their lives, good and bad illuminate the need yeah. for a savior right and so we read these stories in scripture because we resonate with some of them and that's our right. need for a savior and right? that's why peter needs to be on our list <laughs> <laughs> all right so let me ask this rather than trying to negotiate who should be on the mount rushmore of biblical characters what just from this conversation is your takeaway from hearing other people's lists and kind of saying okay um what what will you take away from this conversation that the breadth of takeaways from scripture is so deep that there's so much there. Right. And so many people had different answers. I actually polled a few friends this weekend and our, our joy group got together. So I had seven other women telling me what they thought. And it's interesting how we came up with more than 12 different yeah. people. Right. Yeah. And so it is, it, God's word is alive and active. And so it teaches us exactly what we need to know in the moment we are encountering him and his word. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's my takeaway too. Well, and I would think different seasons of life, you'd have different people that you'd put there because of what you just said. God's word is not static. Um, it's not just even history where you just go, oh, here are the four great, you know, people of history, four greatest. It's it's actually something where where at different times for different reasons, different lives will speak more loudly to us 
in terms of what we we need in yeah. that season mm-hmm. um, just to understand or or say this is something that I want to grow in and you know what do I learn here about God and and one of the things that you know Joel you said it well that these people aren't the heroes ultimately Jesus is that that's what we we look to um, and one of the ways that that I always try to to, to read the, the Old Testament stories especially when we have old and new but is to ask the question when I'm reading, what do I learn about God through this person's life? Not just what is, what can I emulate? Mm. And, and what I find that that helps me to do is to, is to like, we talked about Job and going through the difficulty. Um, like what do we learn about God in that Mm -hmm. scenario rather than just, Oh, Job was faithful in difficulty. I need to be faithful in hardship. Um, but what do I come to understand differently about who God is, how God interacts with the world? Mm, that's right. Um, and, and if I can do that, then I that, then I can really um, take something and not just say these are, you know, Aesop's fables, where you just say here's a little little Old Testament story and a little encouragement to do something better or differently today that I took from it, and somebody else may take something else. Now I can be more certain that I'm actually getting to the heart of what yeah. they're given to us for. So. Well, thank you for uh, spending a few minutes with us today. Um, Hopefully this will encourage you just to dig into some of the Old Testament and New Testament texts more and uh, discover some of the great characters that are there for us. Thanks for um, spending a little time with Perspectives. Have a great day.